and welcome back once again to the Endurance Hour podcast, episode 383, back alongside Coach Wendy Mater, Kona Coach Wendy Mater. I'm Dave Erickson. It is the last podcast of 2022 because we're going on break for a little bit, and with that, we do have questions. We've got some kind of interesting news based on a um, former team member of Wendy's, not mine, but Wendy's, and that is uh, Olympic gold medalist Gwen Jorgensen. She is coming back to triathlon. So you saw this, Wendy, and what was your first reaction? You know, it doesn't surprise me. I think, as she said, a lot of people thought she'd come back to triathlon for the Ironman distance. And she's actually coming back to triathlon for the team competition in in the Olympics. So she's going for an Olympic qualifying spot in the team triathlon for 2024. And you had mentioned she was my team Timex teammate. And I think that was back in 2011, maybe yes. maybe 2010. And I believe that was my first year on the team. And our camp was at the New York Giants training facility. And I got to room with Gwen Jorgensen. It was kind of really cool to think about that, you know, before her claim to fame. And pretty cool to kind of think back on how I've known her for that long. It was 2011 that you were teammates. I went to the camp in New York uh, in 2010 mm-hmm. as a, kind of a freelance for video. And I also wanted to be on the team, so but I also wanted to show what my value was to the team potentially. So I went there in 2010, and she wasn't there. But you were there in 2011, and that was yeah. her year, and I made the team in 2012. That's why I know it's 2011. Okay, yeah. You know, I never really thought about her uh, venturing into the world of Iron Man because when she retired, I guess, or stepped away, she was going to have kids or start a family, and I always thought of her as just a Olympic distance athlete. I had never even thought or it crossed my mind, like, oh, she'll go long distance. I just don't know her that well and never met her. So I didn't. That's interesting that you aren't surprised and that you thought that might be one of the options, which is a valid idea. You know, she was training for the Olympic marathon, and Ironman includes a marathon, and so. You know, you put the the speed that she has with the Olympic distance and then her training for a marathon, the thoughts of, you know, at least like the 70.3 distance. Yep. And again, her goal is the Olympics. And so that makes sense that she's going to stay with the shorter distances. Now, she has to qualify, you know, she has to prove herself to be one that's picked for that team competition in the Olympics. And I'm not that familiar with the team competition because I believe it's fairly new. I like the idea of team. I like the idea of uh, multiple uh, efforts, like a you know they go through it twice or something. Uh-huh. That way you can uh, your cumulative time or I don't know. I like the team idea. Yeah, that's fun to think about. Now, now with a team idea, it's not people doing individual uh, disciplines. It's they're doing all three, right? Would would when do yeah. her all? Kind of like the, the Collins Cup thing, right? Like you had the yeah. whole country, the women would do it and they would, you know, in their times. Yeah, I remember something like that. Yeah, so it's very, it's a short mini. I don't, again, I don't know the distance, but every participant, I believe it's two males and two females, will do a complete swim, bike, run distance. Okay. Well, that's pretty interesting. I like that. I was watching her when they moved from Oregon to Bend. Do you recall or following her? I think we're stalkers now for Glenn. Because uh-huh. uh, I was watching her in Portland because she was you know, training at the Nike headquarters or something like that in Beaverton. Yeah. 
And then I think the family may have moved to Bend, Oregon. Does that sound right? I don't know where they live now because I know, again, when I was following her back during her marathon training days, she was training a lot in Colorado. So that was one highlight for me was watching her train in altitude. And I, I don't remember at all where she actually lives. Maybe Montana. But maybe uh-huh. maybe um, somewhere somewhere though on that western um, area for sure. Okay. And if you hear some background noise, better bring this up right now. We're I'm at Starbucks, um, and that's what you might hear some background. Hopefully that microphone comes through fine enough, just so you're aware. I'm uh, enjoying a latte at Starbucks. Lindsay Corbin recently uh, retired from the sport, and she was going to be going to do Kona as her last event of her career as a professional. Uh, but then she had an injury, and then she went on a little uh, vacation hiatus. And then she tweeted out or Instagram or something like that that she had a broken bone. Did you follow anything with Lindsay? No. I knew she was going to be in Kona, but I never really followed up on that. So, And I knew she was going to retire as well. So yeah. that's that's unfortunate. Like a stress fracture? Yeah, broken bone? I really like her. Something. I know she went to Europe, and then... Um, last they were living back in montana or going back to montana she's from montana she was the first person i ever interviewed in kona and i didn't know who she was i've mentioned uh-huh. this in the podcast but we've been on hundreds of podcasts and i didn't know who she was and someone said hey you should interview Lindsay." and she was like ninth the year before so i didn't know she was big time i didn't know she was a you know an up-and-coming pro this was in right. 2000 2008 or nine mm-hmm. and, and it's on our youtube channel and it was just cool that over the years, I've continued to talk with her. She's been on the podcast as a guest before. I covered and participated, actually. It was a weird coverage participation in a Montana triathlon. The Grizz, I think it's called, the, the Grizzly Triathlon mm-hmm. in Missoula, just you know, three hours away from me where I am here. In fact, me and Ben Greenfield went over there and did the race. And during the race or pre-part of the race, I was shooting video. And then I got done... And I think the pros went off last, or the elites went off last. And so I, when I got back to finish, because it was a sprint, I pulled out my camcorder or whatever it was, and I caught her coming across the line winning the race. Okay. Anyways, I, I have followed cool. her for years. What are, just a, a quality person. Yeah. Her and her husband, Chris, are just really good people. And I love Montana, so it's like, oh, just anyways. Walk down memory lane, wrap up uh, the final episode of the, of the season. So we have some questions. Let's get to those questions, and maybe you and I can do also a recap of what 2022 has been like for us as athletes and maybe what the next chapter has in store. Okay. So question of the day, two, two or three of them here. First from Sean. It says, I just started swimming, just started your swimming faster in 30 days program. I have a question, and I hope you'll be able to uh, get to the point of what I'm doing wrong here. With the pool buoy, it is awkward and harder for me to pull and catch it just feels like my balance is a bit off. How do I fix this from Sean? And I have followed up with Sean on um, email. And so, again, the best way to for me to really answer this question is to see a video of her swimming with and without the pull buoy. I've had questions about the pull buoy before. And the pull buoy is bringing your legs to the surface of the water. And it's trying to correct your body balance. So... If you're used to dragging your legs or if you're a very strong kicker and you're using your legs to propel you across the water, when you put that buoy on, you're not kicking anymore. Your legs are at the surface of the water and you just may be fighting 
that feeling it's trying to um, the position it's trying to put you in, which is more than likely it should be a better position than what you were before. And like I said, if you were someone with a strong kick to propel you and now you're forced to use your arms, it just may be a weakness. You're not used to using those lats, your back, your rear delts, the backs of your shoulders and your triceps to propel you. And so my first suggestion is maybe you need to spend more time on the balance drills that we show you within that program that you're following. And or maybe you need to focus more on the underwater pull drills so you get stronger. So again, without seeing a video of what's going on, I can't say for sure. So I encouraged her to Okay. Hey, Wendy, I need you to smile. We're going to make take a picture of this on screen. I'll put it on our Instagram account. So three, two, one, smile. All right. I'm keeping that in the show because that's, that's what we're about. Very good. Thank you, Sean, for the question. Next up, we've got one from Paul, and this is from a different uh, triathlon group. It says here, good morning. I have a difficult time recovering. I completed Ironman Arizona on November 20th, and despite trying to take it easy, eat well, and relax, my body has still not returned to baseline metrics. My resting heart rate and heart rate variability are still way off. I've tried a couple of light swims, but running moderate biking are still requiring more effort than normal to go easy. Any suggestions? I do have um, an IV scheduled at a private facility and hoping that it will replace some nutrients I am missing or something. Uh, this is not a member of the endurance group, uh, the tri um, our group, so I'm, I have no idea this person's background. What's your take on this? Yeah, so this is very, again, the whole IV thing is very interesting. Normally when you get an IV, you get it when you cross the finish line of an Ironman to rehydrate you because um, lack of hydration can co definitely cause some issues I've experienced in the past. Also, this reminds me of when I did my first Ironman in 1997, I was beat up because that was my first marathon and I'd never run longer than 16 miles before the race. And so that beat me up pretty good. And when I arrived home, you know, I was living with a bunch of cycling friends and I really didn't allow my body enough time to recover from that race. And I started training on my bike too much too soon. And so about four to six weeks after that first Ironman, I came down with really bad, some sort of chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, where my muscles were sore, chronically hmm. sore for about six months. And I was exhausted. And I did measure my, my heart rate back then more than I do now. But my resting heart rate would be like 70. Now it's 38. And when I stood up, when I stood up, it would jump to 140 just by standing up. So there was definitely something wrong with me. And I, I didn't just rely on my heart rate monitor. I took my pulse to make sure that that was accurate. And so I went to various doctors um, to try to figure out what was wrong with me. And no one had an answer. And I was in grad school for wellness management at the time. And a friend of mine who was also in wellness management, she prescribed these, um, you know, natural remedy. You know, this is about five months after I was struggling. And I don't remember what it was, but I started to feel better. Now, did I start to feel better because I had been sick for five months? Or did I start to be, feel better because I took these this natural remedy that she gave me? Anyways, the point of my story is, is I, I hear what you're saying and I, I can feel his pain and his struggling for recovery. And the best advice is, of course, 
um, activity right now and monitor your sleep to ensure you're getting enough sleep because one sign up for training is the inability to sleep and irritability. And even though you're not training currently, maybe right now, because you just did an Ironman, your body is still in that overtrained mode. So it would be interesting to look at his preparation leading up to his Ironman, because again, my preparation was was pretty good, except for the running, because I was injured for eight weeks. So I, I didn't build up my long run as long as I thought I should for my first one. But again, the marathon actually was the best part of the whole Ironman. And so there's just a lot going on there that it would be, it would be, I don't know if you had a coach or just followed a training plan or just randomly did it, but it would be look, it'd be good to look to see the training leading up to it, the taper leading up to it, and then the recovery afterward. And just to let him know you're not the only one who is experiencing what you're experiencing. And it's just really important to because you don't have So this falls under the category. It all depends and everyone's different. Right. I didn't really have any issues, but I also didn't go that hard. It was a, a less stressed day for me. Mm-hmm. It was uh, one of my slowest, and I kind of, I don't know, it just wasn't wasn't that hard taxing on the body, even though the swim was, for me, on the day was, was harder and challenging for a number of reasons. The cold, I was in there too long. Um, everything else is like, eh, just a, a long day, and this really was a long training day. It was just a full day of cardio that's what it was uh-huh <laughs> anyways uh, uh interesting question by paul and if you guys have any thoughts hey maybe send us a message and tell us your thoughts too on if you have any of these resting heart rate issues or heart rate variability issues and what you've done to remedy yeah them. and i also you know about the iv making sure you know whether you get a complete blood test where they are testing all your vitamins and minerals and um, hormones and, and all that kind of stuff that they do with a blood test to see what you're deficient in because maybe you are, maybe you're not, but it sounds like you could just be a, there could be a deficiency. Maybe it's iron. Maybe your ferritin levels are, are low because again, back in 2011, when I did Ironman Boulder, I struggled. I had some breathing issues at the end of the ride. And then I had the same breathing issues for the marathon. And I ended up walking most of the last half of the marathon and then I found out a week later that my ferritin levels were extremely low and I was very, very anemic. And so that kind of sounds like what's going on as well. Mm. So again, go, go to your doctor, follow up, get get the blood panel, panel done and and just, you know, kind of look at your levels of vitamins, minerals. And- yep. This question from Tom. I heard from someone that trail shoes are good candidates for winter running when it gets icy and slushy on pavement. Any recommendations for trail shoes that for that specific use case? Andy? Um, you know, I'm not sure if there's actual trail shoes that are going to be better for the icy conditions. But what I got recently last year was Yaks tracks which um, I haven't used them yet because I do live in Georgia. But the reason I got them is back in February, I did a 40 mile trail run event and there were some spots that were quite icy. And when, when it gets icy here in the South, it's, it's a lot more slippery than the ice I encountered back in Colorado. So I did get a pair of these jack cracks that you put on the bottoms of their shoes. And mm-hmm. then there's other brands out there that do the same thing. So I would just go with your tried and true brand of trail running shoes and then look into getting something like a yak track. The 
postman or a, a UPS driver, they're all like independent contractors, came by the other day and we know each other because I get lots of packages and I got to sign for them. And he has some sort of um, something attached to his shoe. And I said, you know, runners do this right now. They have these little claws, these little studs in the back of the bottom of their mm-hmm. shoe. Fortunately for him, they were supplied, but they, didn't, they weren't like for running. They were right. just to give him some traction. But I felt like, oh, that's a little education to this guy. Like, hey, you know people run outside in this weather? Mm-hmm. He wasn't aware of that part. But yeah, I've heard people will do that. Just keep on running. I passed a couple of people today, uh, a pair of people running on the road. There's not much of a shoulder. We've got tons of snow and ice that's been here since the week I got back from Arizona and just hasn't gone away. Kind of frustrating, but oh well. Uh, You're going to have a white Christmas, maybe. Oh, most definitely. This is not going away anytime soon. It's like 25, 26 degrees outside. It's been this way for a while. Oh, 14 degrees right now. A high of uh, 18, low of 7. Either way. Um, as we kind of uh, wrap things up for this episode and maybe the season here, any big takeaways from your season or highlights for you? We can go high-low, you know, little highlights, little lowlights of 2022 for you uh, performance-wise. Well, event-wise, okay. um, highlights for me were back in March, I think it was March 27th, I completed the Georgia Death Race, which is a 74-mile race from um, uh, Bogle State Park to Emma Clothes State Park, which was just an awesome concept, 15, 17,000 feet of elevation gain in that 74 miles. I finished mentally it was the hardest race i've ever done my father had passed away two weeks beforehand and i didn't actually realize the impact of that until like the week before the race and i didn't want to do it and so it was really hard mentally for me to get to the start line and i've never had that happen before usually it's my mental state that kind of gets me through any struggle that i'm having and this time I mean, I finished, so obviously my mental state got me through it, but I've never struggled like that in an event before. And so that was kind of a low low light and as well as a highlight for me. I had a lot of low moments during that race, but then in the end, the highlight was that I finished. And then also for me is I had some really faster running times for me this year um, in the 5K and the half marathon distance. I actually set an overall lifetime personal record and a half marathon that I did. And I signed up two days before the event. So that was pretty exciting for me to say, okay, I I trained for an ultra run, but I still have some speed. And I just attribute that to my, you know, all my strength and endurance and my high, my high load of base running. That was really exciting for me. And then I also managed to train for an Ironman, Ironman Kona. And so you know, when I, I did my first ultra, my first 50 mile race in 2011, um, and I, I continued to do it in 2012 and 2013, I missed cycling. So I wanted to get back to triathlon. And I told myself one day I'd like to balance being able to train for an ultra and an Ironman in the same year. And so I accomplished that this past season. So a lot more highlights and lowlights for me, but you know, I was, I was able to do the endurance, the speed, the ultra and the Ironman all in the same year. So I'm kind of excited that that happened. I didn't necessarily plan that to happen. It just kind of happened. Well, you know, by signing up for a race a couple of days beforehand, it almost takes the pressure off or expectations off and uh-huh. potential results. There's not yeah. a lead up uh, and you're building yourself up in your brain of what you want to try to do. You just show up and, and go. 
Right. And I knew, I knew I was in half marathon shape. Like, I'm like, you know what? I think I'm just, I, I just know based on my previous results, I'm in half marathon shape. Let's do it. Let's just do it. And I just did it. And it was wonderful. It was just, I felt so good. I'm always happy when I feel really good running. And that was one of those days where everything just felt effortless and I couldn't believe my pace and it just felt effortless. It was such a good it, feeling. It could have been a training day that happened to be uh, amplified by, I don't know if the right word, but um, the level was raised because it was in a competition, in an event. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I, I always train for this race every year called red top rumble it's in february it's a 11.5 mile trail race and i've done it every year i've lived here and i, I kind of start focusing on it now it's three months away or it, maybe it's eight weeks away and I, I in my training runs you know i can go run the course and i'm so slow and i'm just like you know I, i'm so slow in training but yet I, i'm feeling like some of the effort is high for but my pace is slow but then come race day i can put it together and i can just go fast and there's just something about competition for some people like myself that you just you just have that competition and your adrenaline and the mental positivity and the excitement to race and you just to push your limit it's per, it's definitely per, more personal for me than it is about the competition that's there for that day and so yeah that's got to be really encouraging too as we get older that you're still accomplishing and checking off some PRs like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Still room for growth um, in certain areas. Like, oh, wow, there's a PR. I'm not done. Or I haven't. There's a new peak. Yeah. A new mountaintop that, whether it's a surprise, unexpected, or you strive for it, you still got to a new peak. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I have a, um, well, tell me this. This is, we're both experiencing a little bit of this where this might be a temporary or a, um, a pause button on the Ironman distance for your athletic career. Uh -huh. um, what what does next year look like with this you know chapter closing? Not that it's you know you're not going to continue writing new chapters at the distance, but is next year kind of like uh, a, a relief? Uh, I got new new goals to accomplish, new things to strive for. I got new goals to accomplish and new things to strive for. Um, I really want to put like more effort into the Ironman or to the ultra distance running an ultra distance is it may, I may limit myself to a 30 K as my longest. I may go up to a 50 mile. Who knows? 2013 will be my 10 year anniversary since I've done my hundred miler and steamboat. So I, I may, you know, that may happen, but it really just depends on my training. So my priorities to get stronger downhill. That's one of my goals to get faster more confident running down trails, mm -hmm. um, running down trails for sure. And then, and then I want, you know, I kind of want to see where, what would happen if I did focus on some speed and maybe, you know, get close to my overall PR time in my 10 K, which again, it sounds, you know, I'm going from Ironman to 10 K to 50 K. So, you know, I'm kind of planning it out where the speed shorter types of training is happening now and then as i get more confidence in my downhill running that'll determine if i want to lengthen my ultra distance running this year or next year or over the next few years i'm in no rush i don't have to do i don't have to do any ultras at all 
I just know trail running is where my joy is right now. And, um, and I, and I'm just an ultra event person, but right now currently let I'm healthy. My running's going well. Let's put together a good 10 K half marathon again. You said you might limit it to a 30 K in trail running or uh, ultra running trail running. Okay. So that's just ultra. a few miles or so. Or or like, not, not 30 K 50 K 50 K. Yeah. Okay. A, an ultra run is above 26 miles. So I'm thinking 50 K 30, 30 ish miles. I was thinking 30 K cause that's 30 ish miles. So 50 K. What's that feel like a 30 K I'm sorry, a 30 mile trail run versus a marathon. Um, to me, it's more fun. It's more enjoyable. I, I've always hated 26.2 miles and let alone on the road. I just, that doesn't bring me any joy or satisfaction. It, it's just, it's a mental barrier for me. It always has been, but I'll take a 50 K on a trail, even though it's, you know, five miles longer and it's, it's longer because trail running is slower due to the nature of the terrain. Um, I still think that's going to be a really good distance for me more than a marathon road marathon will be. So for you, you've accomplished everything you want to accomplish at the Ironman distance, uh-huh. at least at your age, and then maybe revisit it at a new age group, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we'll see, you know, I, the thing about the Ironman this day and age, and again, I was reading a Norwegian training um, article on tra- I think it's from triathlete magazine and how the Nor- Norwegians train. And, and I thought this actually this past year in Kona, I've never been someone who really invested much in gear and gadgets. And as I was racing this past Kona, it was so competitive. I'm like, you know what, there, that gear, those gears and gadgets actually probably make a difference. You know, the clothing, just the aerodynamics, the, the testing that these professionals go through, the slack tra- tra- threshold testing to make sure that they're dialed in that much. And again, if you if you read about the Norwegian's training um, philosophies, it's like, yeah, it's just it's just more and more expensive to invest in some of these um, some of the stuff that's going to make you go faster, like free speed. And I just don't want to do that. That's not where I want to be putting my money. And so. Um, and I want to be a competitive athlete. And I, I think at this point right now, mentally, I'm just not wanting to be the competitive athlete in the Ironman distance. You know, this came to my my brain yesterday. I was doing my contrast water therapy session where I've been doing this last four weeks in a row where sauna at 200 degrees for 10 minutes, and then cold plunge 39 degrees, five minutes, hot plunge at 102 or 104 for five minutes, and then repeat the cycle. Mm-hmm. And then where I'm doing this at, they have a hyperbaric chamber that, you know, the oxygen goes in, you're in a tube and they close it up. And it's a great way to replenish the body with clean O2. So now all this pumping back and forth with the the cold and the warm exchange of your blood vessels, now your red blood cells really want all this oxygen. And I was thinking about it after I got done of the performance benefits and all the time and money that athletes at a high level invest uh-huh. toward that small percentage of advantage uh-huh. and yet it can all be gone with a mechanical it could all be gone mm-hmm. with um a penalty that maybe you don't deserve or something else outside your control and you've done all these things 
things, but all this money, like a hyperbaric cha- chamber or, or, or cold plunging or uh, some sort of sleeping at elevation kind of thing, yeah. you know, the tents they have. It's just so hard to be the best when there's other factors outside of just training. Yeah. You know? And he's like, oh my God, really? Like, what's that? What's that? There was a big, not controversy, but Sam Long, former temp, uh, Timex member of ours, who's now, you know, big time professional athlete. He got a penalty at some sort of race recently, or, you know, toward the I think it was this, I think it was St. George World Championship, 70.3. Okay, yeah. So he got a penalty, which, from what it all sounded like, he didn't deserve, and it derailed his, his efforts on the day. And there's so much that goes on to, you know, getting to the race, your sponsors, your preparation, your time, the money, the hotel, whatever it may be. And then someone gives them a penalty that was not right or not correct. Mm-hmm. And then the race is gone. All that. I know this is only applying to the one percenters out there, but it's still frustrating to think you can do all this work and the day doesn't work out for you. Whether the water's cold, you know, mm-hmm. and you got bumped around, you got your goggles kicked off or one of your shoes, whatever it may be. It's just a matter of inches, a matter of factors that aren't in your control. And it's hard. It's hard. And I guess maybe as I'm saying this, I didn't plan on thinking this way or saying this, that there was some disappointment and frustration with a little bit of the Ironman Arizona for me that it didn't go as I hoped and it all started off badly. Once I got in the water, it was too cold. And then I couldn't get into a rhythm. And then it was dark and I got bumped around. The next thing you know, it's... Mm-hmm. An hour 45, hour 50 out minutes afterwards, I'm out of the water going, that's it. This is not a PR course. This is not a PR day for me. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't feel good. My shoulders sore. My, I'm cold. Got a, got the wetsuit hickey on my neck. Mm-hmm. Everything doesn't feel good. And then there's wind. It's like, ah, this is just all this. But then, then you find the silver lining. So if I'm going to answer the question I posed to you, your highs and lows, my biggest low wasn't the race day. It was uh, seven weeks prior where I mentally didn't say it out loud. But I think I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I mentally quit. I said, I'm done. I was so upset, so depressed, so had no fulfillment, had nothing to look. I just didn't want to do it anymore. The training was dreadful. I didn't mm-hmm. want to train. I just was hating this cloud of expectations of a half of this race. I have to do this race. And that was the wrong mentality of making it look like it was something that I had to do. But yeah. I also wanted to follow through on my commitment. That was the scary part of saying it out loud. I almost told my wife this Sunday, like uh, I was skipping my workout and workouts, and I just don't want to do this. I don't want to sit in the bike. I don't want to go outside. It's cold. I just was not happy. And I, I resisted telling her because I knew if I said it out loud, then I'll be held accountable for saying I, I quit. But I also didn't want to say I quit. Right. And I almost told you too, but I held back on saying it out loud. And I'm glad I did, didn't say it, but that was my lowest moment of, I quit on myself in my head. It wasn't the highlight that I got back into it, but I'm glad I did accomplish it. That's a minor highlight. Mm-hmm. The biggest highlight was um, of experiencing it with uh, my kids seeing me finish. Because once I made that turn on the finish line, I saw them and I forgot about the day. The previous 13 hours and 53 right. minutes was all gone. I didn't care. Didn't care about how tough that swim was. Didn't care that there was headwinds that were frustrating on the bike. That was a slow bike. Mm-hmm. Didn't matter that I walked, you know, a number of miles on the run. I got that turn, saw them, made sure I smiled, made sure I gave them a kiss, made sure I showed that that I was happy in what I was about to finish, and I was super happy when I crossed the finish line. And then I saw them both, both my kids. 
and I posted these couple things. You know, I, I wrote their names on my shoes to remind me of my why or to think about them mm-hmm. during the race. And I wrote the same their names on a different pair of shoes for the half iron that I did in Coeur d'Alene this year. Mm-hmm. So I found this why that pulls me in my two kids, and I have their names on my shoes. And that was a discovering that why this season, I guess, was the highlight of making them what I was trying to impress. Even if they don't, they're not impressed. I wanted to impress them. Yeah. I wanted to make them proud, even though they don't know. I know. But that low point was was quitting. Yet it turned out to be a positive because I didn't quit. Yeah. 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 You know, the same thing with with the the weeks leading up to the Georgia Death Race when I when I knew I'm like oh, I don't want to do this. And I was, I, I mean, I loved the training. I loved everything. I signed up for it. I was so excited. And for that to happen to me, again, I didn't tell anyone until later. Yeah. The emotions that I was going through. And I think this you bring out so many emotions. And, you know, the, there's so many highs and lows that you're going to experience. You know, the, the, no matter what, it's, it's a life-changing experience. How how much of an impact is it going to change your life? It's going to vary by person by person, but they're definitely training and, and finishing endurance events yeah. are life changing mentally, physically, and so um, I mean that's why I've been doing this for 30 years. My first Ironman back in 1997 had changed the direction of of my triathlon. Why in my triathlon journey and. You know, I'm still going. I'm still, you know, I'm still learning. I'm still processing. I'm still enjoying the process, and we'll see what happens. You know, with years to come. I think that regret would outweigh all the months of training and all the time invested in that. For me, in that event, I would regret so much that I quit. Oh, totally. Yes. Yeah. Because I agree. And I was. T- I think I was told, telling you when I was thinking about on the run in the final, uh, maybe the final ten miles of Arizona is like, uh, this will be over in two hours or as I was, you know, clipping off these miles, this will be over in, you know, so many, so many minutes tomorrow. I'll be home at this time. You know, I was just like telling myself, mm-hmm. you've made it this far. And I was saying, I've been 130 miles. I only have, you know, 12 miles to go. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, 10 point, I have 10.2 miles to go. Now I've got 8.2 miles to go. And that I've gone so far, 132 miles I've accomplished so far. So, I don't want to regret that in the moment, finding that positive, and then tomorrow, it's okay. It'll be over tomorrow. It'll be over right. in a couple of hours. Right. So these these this uh, pain or this frustration or is really temporary, but that quitting has but it lasts forever. I, I know I didn't want to experience that, so I'm so glad I didn't say it out loud. And that was like a that was you know a big thing for me as a person is not mm-hmm. to quit, even though I wanted to so bad. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thanks for sharing. So my, I don't know what I'll be doing next year. I have no interest. I feel very content. I'm so happy to be a six-time Ironman finisher because it was seven-year high it is. I don't know if I want to do, I don't want to do an Ironman next year. I don't mind doing something shorter, but I have to have a reason, you know? Your reason is because you enjoy it? Well, if I don't enjoy it, you're right. I'm not going to do it. I have other things I'll accomplish athletically or competition-wise. But I don't know. I mean, you've done it for so many years. Both of us, you know, enjoy it. I don't want to be a finisher. I want to be a competitor. You know, if uh-huh. it's a competitor with me, 
I don't want to just go out there just because I can do it. It's just like, yeah, I know I can do it. That is, right. There's no surprise. There's no excitement. Oh, I finished another half Ironman. I mean, at, for me, because that would be 20-some plus. That's not exciting. What makes mm-hmm. it exciting? Right, and that's why I'm not doing Ironman. You know, I'd only do Ironman if I wanted to qualify for for a world championship. If, if I wanted to qualify for a world championship, I would do the 70.3 or the 140.6 distance. I'm not going to do it just to do it. You know, there there are Ironmans like Patagonia Man and other like extreme, extreme conditions of an iron distance race that I've contemplated in the past. And now I'm like, no, nah, I don't want to do those. You know, I'd love to go to Alaska, but not to do the Ironman. I'd like to go to Alaska and go do a 50K trail run or a 30K trail run mm-hmm. or just explore and not even do an event. Just go to Alaska. And I bring up Alaska because Alaska was new this past year and some people signed up for it, I think, impulsively without thinking about the logistics of just to Juneau, Alaska and actually doing an Ironman at that time of year with that type of weather. And I held back because I have the experience to know I'm not going to do this impulsively. I'm not going to sign up for an event impulsively anymore. And Ironman events don't fill up like they used to. So you don't need to be impulsively signing up for an Ironman a year in advance because there's so many of them that chances are high they're not going to fill out in 24 hours. They might not even fill out, fill up, sorry, fill up with participation for months if if they fill up at all. So. Yeah. You know, you know, again, I'm always been the person, see, see what my fitness is like, see what my desire is like. Am I fast? Do I want to go long? Do I want to go hard? You know, we'll see what happens. You know, like I said, if my downhill running skills improve, then that's going to make me excited to do more um, trail running events. But for now, there's a select few events that I'm going to do because I've done them every year, but I'm not committed to anything right now. I think you would be... Um a good candidate for the Ultramans, the, the double Ironman uh, day after day. Yeah, I've, con- I've, contem- I've yeah, contemplated. Double distance, three yeah, days. I, I've contemplated that a few years ago because, you know, just something new, something different. But again, so that might be in my future. Who knows? And to clarify, it's it's the, the swim, 4.8 miles one day. The next day is 240. The next day is 52. That's how, that how it goes. Um, it's, I thought it was a 10 K swim. The first, a 10 K swim plus oh. 190 miles on the bike the first day. Oh, both of them on the first day. I'm and then, up. and then the second day you finish the bike and then the third day you do the 52 mile double marathon. Okay. I think I it goes something crazy. like that. And I'm thinking the one in Hawaii, I'm thinking the Ultraman yep. in Hawaii. That's the still Ultraman one. world championships of Ultramans. I believe is still in on the big Island. And I believe you do a 10K swim and then you ride, if you're familiar, which I know you are, but you, for those who are not, you actually ride to Volcano National Park. Maybe it's 190 kilometers. And then you, you then you transition or you spend the night and then you you ride your bike from Volcano National Park to maybe Javi. And then you get off your bike and you run the double marathon. So I believe it's a two-day event. Okay, I found it. I should have asked. I should have known this beforehand. So it says you cover a total of 320 miles on the Big Island. Uh, 6.2-mile ocean swim, a 261.4-mile bike, and a 52.4-mile run. You guys see how uh, the timing of these things these are. It spans three days. 
yeah, how it goes and uh, how it's broken down. And you definitely uh, have today, to qualify for that one. So day one is yeah, 10K swim, 145 k bike. Day two is 276k bike, and then the last day is the run. Okay. Yeah. You had it. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's what Wendy will be doing here in a few years. <laughs> I just I just signed you up. Hey, let's do a a, a fund me program to get to get Wendy uh the entry fee. Is that something yeah, you have to yeah, I was going to say, if someone can pay all my travel expenses. <laughs> all right, Wendy. Uh, I'm not sure much more I've got here for next year. We're going to take a, a few week break, maybe three weeks or so, rest of this uh, end of this year, and maybe the first week or so of January, and then recap, um, reconvene, and, and get going again on the podcast and uh, talk about what the future holds for episodes and training programs. Uh, all the training, training programs are still right there on uh, Training Peaks. Look under Wendy Mater's name. We get that 33% discount code on every plan we have out there. So uh, we're taking a hit, but I, we want you to benefit from our videos and our plans so you can have a great season in 2023 and beyond. And because December's our December Swim Challenge Month, all, all of our swim programs on Training Peaks are 50% off. Enter code T T250. Small T otherwise, uh, otherwise it's T233 as the checkout code, right? Yep. T233 is, is all the time. T250 yep. is for the rest of the month. Awesome. Well, thanks everybody for uh, putting, putting up with the Starbucks background noise and uh, this podcast. Anything else, Wendy, before I sign off officially one more time for 2022 no just happy holidays enjoy the rest of 2022 into 2023 stay healthy be safe for wendy mater i'm dave erickson have a great week of training racing and recovery we'll see you next year adios adios